0: Shall we ask him first while we bow our heads? Now, Heavenly Father, this is Thy Word. It is said in the book, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if the Word was God, it's still God. So we are thankful to have the Word before us tonight. Now, we realize that this book has been written in such a way that you hid it from all the scholars, the wise and prudent, and you said you would reveal it to days such as would learn. Now, we're willing to learn tonight. That's why we're here, and we're here expecting the great teacher to come and teach us tonight the things that we should know, the Holy Spirit of God. And sanctify our hearts tonight, Father. Move back all doubt and fear, and may the great Holy Spirit just come right down and speak to our hearts, each one of us, and save all the the sinners, Lord, that's uh, unkind to you. We pray that you'll just deal with their hearts tonight, the backsliders, bring them back home, Father, and we pray that you'll heal the sick, get glory out of the service, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And Luke, the seventh chapter, in the thirty sixth verse. I'll just read one verse. And when you go home tonight, perhaps you read the rest of this chapter. It's very outstanding. And I'll just read this just to start with, the thirty sixth verse. And one of the Pharisees, uh, I like this to begin with, um, desired him that he would sit with him at meat. At me. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet I may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of that word, of, of a story that happened long years ago. Now, the uh, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart, and I know you do too, so now while we're talking let's just open up our hearts and let the Holy Spirit come in and speak to us. Now, there's something wrong here. In the beginning with our text tonight, there's just something that's not right. What did this Pharisee want with Jesus? You know, usually man asks you to come eat with them when they love you, and they want to sit down and have some fellowship with you. And um, usually that's the way Brother Joseph and I have a lot of fellowship. We get out here to one of these places and get us a hamburger and some french fries and we have a lot of fellowship for those hamburgers. We love each other. And—but what could this Pharisee want with Jesus? He hated Jesus. And why was he asking uh, Jesus to come eat with him? When the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, they didn't, they didn't believe in him, and they hated him. And why would the Pharisee ask Jesus to come eat with him? There's just something wrong somewhere. They just don't cooperate together. When the Pharisees hate him so bad, and here one of the chief Pharisees is asking to come eat dinner with him, come to one of these great banquet he's going to have and eat with him. There's too much difference there. That's the way it is. There's no uh, people usually that hang around together while they have fellowship with each other when they got things in common. Now, if you got things in common, like a, a, a little children. They they play with each other. They have things in common. The Bible speaks of that. Isaiah said the little children playing in the street. Now when you see little children, they all—maybe one can speak German, the other can speak Swedish, the other in English, but they got a lot of things in common. Because they're children, they spin their tops and play with their dolls and things. They've got things in common. When you see a little—like a little girl hanging around with Grandma. There's something wrong there. Now, when you see a little girl hanging around with Grandma, there's too much difference in their age. Now, there's something wrong. Either she's Grandma's pet, or she maybe Grandma might have a sack of candy in her pocket, you see. So might be some reason there, there's some motive, as that little girl is hanging around with Grandma, because there's too much difference in their age. Now, young people have things, that they associate together and have things in common. And uh, the Middle Ages have things in common, and, uh, and the uh, old people have things in common. And uh, like clubs, the Kiwanis, they have things in common. They like to get together and eat together, the Kiwanis club, because they talk about the affairs of the city and how taking care of the poor and so forth. They have things in common. As my mother used to say in the old proverb, birds of a feather flock together. There's a whole lot to that, did you know that? That's why you all are here tonight. That's why we gather tonight. we got things in common. That's why you're not out to roadhouses and picture shows tonight. You, you come here to the Church of God tonight. we got things in common. We like to talk over things and have fellowship one with another. We all believe in the same thing. We've got the same purpose. That's why all these ministers are sitting around here and so forth. We got, and that's why that spirit is moving among us like it is. We have things in common. Jesus, you know, when the Holy Ghost fell, they were in one place and one accord. Everything in common. They were waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. They had things in common. Everyone was waiting for the promise of the Father. And that's why we are here tonight. We are have things in common. Because Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in their midst. And whatever they ask, I'll give it to them. So now we have things in common. We believe in the full gospel. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the second coming of Jesus. We believe in divine healing. And that's why we've all gathered around. We've got things in common. Birds of a feather. We flock together. I'm so glad to you have your kind of feathers and um, so we can have this fellowship. Now uh, that is true, the old proverb, birds of a feather. You ever notice? You take, for instance, crows. And doves, they don't have any fellowship with each other. Because why? Their diet is different. They couldn't invite one another to dinner, because the crow is a scavenger. He just eats on an old dead carcass somewhere, and the dove doesn't have any gall, so if it didn't eat that stuff, it would kill it. Very good picture of the sinner and the Christian. I mean when he's a real Christian, see? Now the dove will sit down in the wheat field and eat all day long with her kind and coo. And the old crow will sit over there on an old dead carcass and call and eat all day long. See? They don't have no fellowship at all. But now the strange thing is, if the dove would go eat on the, on the dead carcass, it would kill the dove. But the crow can eat there and also eat the wheat also. That makes him a hypocrite. <laughs> so you have to watch that. <laughs> you have to watch that. The, the dove, the real true Christian, cannot go over and indulge in the world. But the hypocrite can be a low down hypocrite and be a sinner now and go out and act like a Christian. That's bad. That's real bad. But the real Christian can't come over here and partake in this. He hasn't got any gall. He can't digest the thing. Amen. I hope you know what I mean. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, sinner, but that's right. That's just what it is. He couldn't go in a barroom and drink and go out and gamble and. Things like that. He, he just hasn't got the gall to digest it. That's all. Something else has took place. He's been changed. He's had an operation. Amen. God laid him out on the operating table and took the gall out of him when he did the Holy Ghost. And, and, and he just can't take those things no more. That's right. So he can't have fellowship. But something's wrong with the picture when this Pharisee now, to my opinion, the crow, but he's He's trying to bring Jesus down there to have, like he wanted, fellowship with him. But there's something wrong. It just won't work. The first thing, you know what Pharisee means? The word Pharisee means actor. The Greek word for Pharisee means an actor, somebody who acts, pathong. You know, America's so full of that anyhow, actors. I preached in Los Angeles. My next meeting is down in Los Angeles, and I notice there, you take the people, the screen people there, the movies and so forth, they're before the camera so much to they're acting like somebody else, impersonating somebody. And they dose so much of it before the camera that so when they get on the street they're still actors. You know, that's not only in Hollywood, that's in Chicago, too. You just look at televisions and movies and things like that. Then you try to act like that. You Pharisee, quit doing that. It's not right. It shouldn't be that. I don't like that stuff. I like I like to be original. Don't you? Just be yourself. And you know, a lot of times that's among preachers. <clears throat> but that's true. Actors. They get in a pulpit and then they get a pulpit voice. Well, you know, brethren. Oh, you Pharisee. Quit acting like that. Be yourself. People like you better. You you just be yourself? Oh, but they have a pulpit voice and a street voice. I like when you be just on a pulpit like you're on the street. Be the same person. Don't be a Pharisee. You know, and some of our sisters get that on them, too. Actors. In the home, they say, John! And John jumps regularly shot.
1: Get out of here! You know better than that.
0: What would you do that for? The telephone rings. Pick up the receiver. Oh, hello. (laughs) Pharisee, stop doing that. Be original, be yourself. Oh, I don't like a put-on. I like to be genuine. I like to see people who are genuine. I was enjoying that beautiful Holy Ghost singing a while ago. You see a lot of actors and singing. That's
1: right.
0: I seen singers. I went to a place one time and see an overtrained boy. <clears throat> overtrained, hold a note till they're blue in the face, and hold on for dear life, and come back down, make an article and don't even know what they're saying themselves. That's no good. They're not singing to the glory of God. To me, I love old fashioned Pentecostal singing. Hands up in the air and singing to the glory of God. You lose the organ piano and everything else and just sing to the glory of God. Amen. Turn loose and be yourself. Yes. I love original. The glory of God. There's nothing closer to heaven than hearing that uh, real beautiful singing. Don't you believe that? I was sitting behind that curtain while the wiping tears on my eyes. When I heard those brothers sing and peeped around the curtain to the glory of God on her face,
1: Who my! Is
0: any life in you? That'll sure spring at to the top, right? But when you get this where you have to go that way under and hold on, turn blue in the face. You're just trying to get somebody to hear you then. I like real singing. I like to be yourself. Not an actor. Pharisee. It's bad. The sun was almost going down. I see standing there. This courier had run all day long. His feet was dirty and his face full of sweat. His master had said to him, Now you must sign me. He crossed Palestine time to find him. The sun was almost down, thousands were sitting, listening to one speak that never a man spoke like him. People were standing on their tiptoes, looking over, they could only see. And I can see the courier who has come from this rich Pharisee's house, looking over to see if he, on his tiptoes, to see what he could see. And after a while he quit speaking, then he began to minister to the sick. Oh, I'd love to have been there, wouldn't you? I can see this courier making his way through the crowd till he gets up and he bumps into somebody who's standing there wouldn't let him go any farther. Might have been Philip or Nathaniel or one of them. I don't know who it was. Somebody was standing there and he bumped into, said, I would like to speak to your master, sir. And being busy keeping the people away from Jesus so he could pray one at a time, I can imagine him place me back to stand aside and leave the master alone. He's busy. And um, then he pushed on again. He said, But I have a message from my master, a very prominent man in our country. I must see your master. And I can see them, uh, Philip probably, taking him up to where Jesus was, and he politely bowed before him, and he gave him the message, uh, My master. a Pharisee, Simon, the Pharisee, who's a great man, he's great in the church, and you'll be honored, sir. And he has sent for you to come to, on a certain, certain date to his banquet, and he's going to have a great feast, and he's a rich man, and he's all oh, he can put on a real kind of feast. And you're invited to come." Could you imagine what Peter would say to him? But like I would have said, are you. Oh, Jesus! That Pharisee, he's just making a trump card out of you. Why, he he don't need you. He's got all the wealth of this world that he needs, and and he don't have any need for you. He's just going out there to make a show, make, uh, make you a show card. That's all. Don't go look at the thousands here that's calling for you. Your time is needed here. Don't go and step down to that Pharisee. Perhaps Andrew ran up and said, Jesus, don't do that, Master. Don't go down there. But yet, all persuading that they could do, Jesus politely, I can see, bow his head and say, I will be there. Jesus is never invited unless he comes. Just remember that. If you want him to your house, invite him. He'll come. No matter who you are, how rich or how poor, how bad-off or how well-off, he'll come if you'll invite him. He never turns down an hesitation. Jesus never did, and he never will. So they see he out of here, and the courier sighed a little bit and, oh, brushed back his hair out of his dirty face and back down across Palestine, he'd go to take his, to take his message back down. How could he ever do it? What was the matter with that courier, that runner, a plunky from his master's house? How could he have done it? I'd have said something different than that, wouldn't you? If I would ever gotten in the presence of Jesus, I'd have fell out his seat first and a worshipped him. But that's what's the matter with too many of us couriers today. We've got to talk about our denomination, talk about everything that we belong to, and forget about being in the presence of Jesus. We've got too many things to think about, other things that interest us seemingly more than Jesus. How a dignity, and how we can uh, conduct ourselves, and how we can make our voice sound, and how we can put on this program and that program. Forget it! What we need is get the presence of Jesus and worship Him. Sometimes we have a revival. And the ladies, they got to put on theirs, and this has got to do this, and this has got to do that. The first thing you know, there's no room for Jesus. We so tear it up with all of our societies and things, we forget what the revival's about. Let's don't do that in Chicago this week. Let's invite him in and worship him when he comes, when we get his presence. Forget about who you are. What are you anyhow? Six foot of earth. That's right, worth 84 cents if you weigh 150 pounds. Not very much to you, anyhow. So then, here he was up there in the presence of Jesus, carried out his master's orders. The man he was talking to would be his judge someday. And he failed to recognize it. And in these meetings, where the Holy Spirit comes down and speaks to the people, show signs and wonders and heals the blind, deaf, dumb, paralytics, and so forth. People turn away sometimes. Well, we, they carried that church too late tonight. Pharisee? What's the matter with you? You're in the presence of Christ. Uh, You can never be sure that you see his words moving. You ought to fall on your face and say, God, be merciful to me. But we got time for other things. Oh, I wish you hurry up and quit preaching. Twenty minutes is long enough for any preacher to preach. Why? Well, you're starving to death. You're so thin you look like a shadow. You need a good four hour sermon sometime. Fatten you up on gospel vitamins. That's what the church needs today. Just quit you, put your pastor. A fellow said the other day, it's no place for jokes, I don't believe it, but he said he had preached the sermon for ten years, twenty minutes, with all the people that let him preach. And he had to time himself to twenty minutes. And one Sunday he preached about an hour. The deacons called him back and said, Pastor, what would you do that for? I said, Well, my time machine didn't work right. He said, What was it? I said, Well, when I start to preach, I put a, a lifesaver in my mouth, and it always takes me just twenty minutes to suck it down and said, I missed it this morning, put a button in my mouth. I never did get it out. Oh, now What we need today is some good old button turns. Amen. Don't be in a no hurry. That fellow, as soon as he could get his message out, and what he was there for, his moved just to please his Master and the way he went. What we need today is, hold on, hey there. Here he goes, said, go all the way down Palestine. Oh, I can see that big Pharisee when he come back and told him that Jesus said he would come. I can see him walking up on his great Persian rugs in his floor, rubbing his little fat chubby hands and all. Oh, 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 oh. I did not think of that before. I said, "Man, I'm going to have a big banquet. Everybody knows I'm tired of the Pharisees. Oh, I'm so religious. Huh. He's still got him." Oh, you know, I'm the doctor of the church. Everybody in this city looks at me, and they know that I'm a religious man, because I am Pastor Simon the Pharisee. That grid big, fat, roly-poly Pharisee walking up and down the floor trying to get my Lord Jesus there. Why, he ain't no prophet. Well, certainly he's not. All we Pharisees know there's nothing to him. It's mental telepathy. If I could ever get him down here and bring him, what will Pharisee Jones say about that? Oh, oh, won't it be a joke? Oh, when oh. Pharisee Jones hears that I've got that there so-called prophet down here for my meeting, won't he, won't he be a surprise when he sees that this here Jesus of Nazareth has come down to my meeting, now to my banquet? i tell you what I'll do. I won't have it inside. I'll put it outside, because, you know, I can really fix a dinner, a real dinner. The people around here are all poor and everything, but that man was rich. Brother, he got the cuts at the temple besides his salary, and he could really put on a feast. And so he, he was worthy. He had plenty of money. He was a rich man. And he said, then the public, if I can get them all up here in front of my place. Out on the veranda somewhere, I'll fix it out there and I'll put my table and those great clusters of grapes that sit now ripe and everything and smell good. And I'll have it in the evening, it'll be cool and oh, how it all had it all planned out, how I was going to fix it and have everything just to the place. And I'll take my table and scoot it out there and, and I'll have all the Dr. Jones and Dr. Ph.D. so and so and so and so and I'll have them all over. And then all the people of the city will know that I am a great man. I can do this, and I can do this. Ah, ah, ah! What's an awful habit people have, isn't it?
1: Ah, ah,
0: ah! God has no place in it at all. Oh, all, all he could do! How he ought to have thought of that before to get this this appointment with Jesus. Now, he said, "I pushed my table out." Now, in in the Orient, you almost have to be there to know how. They eat and things. Now, uh, you know a lot of the little children, for instance, this little boy here, sitting in front with a little checkered shirt on, he's leaning over on his hand like this. Probably Mama knows that he likes to eat that way, too. Yeah, at the table, he likes to lay over on his on his arm. Now, I've got little children home, too, and I know they really like to eat like that. Did you know what? You're right. Mama trying to make me sit up like this, but that's the way they used to do it a long time ago. That's the way Jesus eats. See? They didn't sit down at the table like we do. They have a big table, and then, and when they do, they kind of scoot a couch in, angle ways like this, and everyone, instead of sitting down, he goes down here, sits down at the end of the couch, and lays down, and puts his hand up like this, and eats that way. That's the way you like it, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, that's the way Jesus eats. That's the way they eat. In Palestine, and those days, they still do. Now, they have this table out there, and oh, could they serve, my, they could really serve, and they'd, some of those um, uh, people in Palestine, they even it was rich enough, and Pharisees to have Indian waiters, which uh, waiters, which they're they most famous in the world. And they had on shoes that little bells on the end that they could they'd play music as they walked. And could they know how to put it on? They put the platter in their hand like this, and they would have lamb cooked with spiced up real good. And oh my, they'd bring it out and the poor would stand on the outside smelling that odor and they'd serve it in such a way just make you hungry to look at it. So they know how to put it on and them Pharisees know how to do it. So this fellow was no exception. He knew how to put on a real feast. So then he'd get everything ready, get all picked up, ready for uh, the people to come. Well, finally, the evening drew near that one is going to have the banquet. And the first thing you know, as soon as everything was fixed up and out in the plaza and in the yard, under the clusters, and everything was just to its place, just where it ought to be, just everything so spick and stand, a great chariot drove up outside, and Dr. Jones, I hope there's not a Dr. Jones here tonight. But anyhow, he got out of the chariot, and my—you know, the, the, the hospitality of Palestine, as soon as he, you get out of the, the chariot, or wherever you come if you're invited, the host, when he invites him, well then you come, the first thing, most of the travel is by foot. And when Dr. Jones got up, of course, Paris he went and greeted him, Hello, Dr. Jones! I'm so happy to see you, why, enter into my place and up come another chariot and, and the groomers taking their horses and put them in the stables and fed them and so forth and taking care. And then if someone come on foot, they had—all those Pharisees had a lot of flunkies around their place. One fellow to do one thing and one another. And the first thing, when you entered into the place, the lowest paid flunky of the whole bunch was a foot washer. The first thing you did when you walked into a place, you got your feet washed. And i think of my Lord, that's what proves to me he was God, when he came from the highest position in heaven and become the lowest plonky on the earth. Who do we think we are? Because we don't want to change the clothes. The God of heaven came down and became a plonky. The worst-paid person in the category of the home was a foot-washer, and Jesus, my Lord, became a foot-washer. And who are you now, and who am I? What are we so big about when we can ride in a big, fine car and everything and stick our nose up and think we're somebody, and the God of heaven become a flunky foot-washer? Came on. What a pity! It's customarily the first man that met the man when he was invited, the hospitality of the Orient and Palestine in those days. There was when the travel was by foot, they didn't have paved streets like you got here, and they had dusty roads. And um, uh, the Palestinian garment comes down as a robe, but the underneath garment button just uh, below the knees. And uh, when they had robes on and sandals in those days, if they could forge sandals or they walked barefooted, and their travel was by foot. And when they would, uh, uh, along those little old trails and things where they walked, uh, many caravans and animals went down the trail, and the droppings from their animals, the birds would peck in it and then they twist it around on the road, and it would the dust that would dry, and it would get dusty, and the traveler walking like this while the dust would robe would pick it up and get on his feet, and all that um, droppings from the animal and along the roads and stink, and a person's feet was dirty and really needed washing before they could come into a nice home like they had there this Pharisee house. So the custom was that they would bring um, uh, the foot wash, a uh, flunky. He would come out, and when the man came, he would take his foot and put it up under his arm like this, remove his sandals, wash his feet, take a towel and wipe them, set his sandals up on a plate, and reach over and get a pair of satin slippers like which that was courtesy of the host that invited him. And he'd try them on his feet until he got the the ones that would fit him just right, and then the next time he would pass him on. When he come back out, he'd hold off the slippers, walk on all those fine rugs and things, and he would be refreshed by his feet. Now the next thing, the Palestinian sun, the direct rays of there, make, uh, real hot and blisters of face. And they had oil that they would anoint. And the next man, when he come into a little place, where they would anoint you, your hands, give you some oil, and you'd rub that, put it on your neck and around your face like that, and it was soothing. Now, oil will get old in a few days, we know that, but they had some sort of a little bean that comes out of Arabia, like a rose when it's done, and there's a little apple there. And you can take that little apple and put it in your hand and rub it, and it goes so deep into your pores with perfume until weeks you can still smell it on your hands. And they would take that and make a perfume and put it in this anointing oil that they used to anoint their face. That was part of the treasures that the, uh, the Queen of Sheba brought to Solomon, very expensive thicker. So they did anoint uh, the face and so forth. Now he had his feet washed and dried and stickers put on, and all the stink of the road was off of him. And now the rays of the sun, he would rub his face real good and tuck a towel and wipe the oil from it. Now the next courtesy the host showed, when he walked into the door, as he went in, while the host would be standing there when his visitor came, and when he came up in the door, he would reach over and get him by the right hand, and he would kiss him on one side of the cheek, then take him by the other hand and kiss him on the other side of the cheek. Now, when he was kissed, he was welcome. He was a full brother then. He felt welcome. He could go in, go to the icebox, get what he wanted. He was at home. He was kissed, welcome. Well, then all these Pharisees and things taking their place, the first, th- the first thing you know we look around and find sitting over in the corner, Jesus. How could it happen? What was the matter with the plunky at the door? He was sitting there with unwashed feet, unanointed head. Not kissed. He wasn't made welcome. Why? Pharisees, Simon the Pharisee was too busy cracking jokes with Dr. Jones and all of them. He didn't have time. He let Jesus slip by and get in. And the flunky let him slip by. Oh, I wish I could tuck that flunky's place. An opportunity to wash Jesus' feet and to anointed him and made him welcome. That's the way it is. He invited him and then didn't make him welcome. That's what we do. We invite him and then won't make him welcome. When the president would come to this city or any city, you'd hang out the streets full of flags, you'd stroll the streets with flowers, you'd send the band down to the to the depot where he got off the train, you do everything to make him welcome. But Jesus can come to your city, into your home, and you'll give him a place in the attic, a little prayer room out in the side, or maybe down in the basement. If your company's there, you have nothing to do with him. You'll wait till after a while, maybe he's at the house, you slip up in the attic, you shut the door and say a few little words to him and come back down. Shamed of him. That's the way Simon was. He was ashamed of him. Will you come anyhow, Jesus? Yeah. Will you take second place? Yeah. I'll take second place. I'll take any place they give me. Remember not long ago when you went to church, before you was saved, of course. On Easter Sunday, and you wore your gorgeous dress, your beautiful little Easter hat set on the side of your head. You went out and struggled through a 20-minute sermon and come back and hung it up and said, that's enough religion for this year. Jesus didn't rebuke you for it. He accepted it. You give it to him, whatever you want to give him, what little time he'll take it. He never rebuked you. And you ask him to come to your church sometimes, and he'll fall in old Tyson's ways. And you're ashamed to let loose let him have his way. You quench him away, you invite him to your home, and then you're ashamed of him before your neighbors. Let him sit there unentertained. Jesus wants to be
1: worshipped.
0: He never rebukes you. And you ask him to come to your church sometimes. And he'll fall in the old-fashioned way, and you're ashamed to let loose and let him have his way. You quench him away, you invite him to your home, and then you're ashamed of him before your neighbors. Let him sit there unentertained. Jesus wants to be worshiped, he wants to be
1: entertained.
0: How do you entertain Jesus? Say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come in tomorrow. I love you, Lord. Entertaining. If someone comes at your house and you didn't entertain them, they wouldn't come many times. Maybe that's what's the matter tonight. Maybe that's what's the matter around our homes, around our churches. We are afraid or ashamed to entertain Jesus. You're afraid somebody will hear you say amen. You're afraid to raise up your hands and give him praise. You're ashamed because your neighbor's sitting there, somebody else. What else do about your neighbor? Worship the Lord. You asked Him. You invited Him. Then worship Him when He comes. Hallelujah. What we need tonight is an old-fashioned Jesus Christ
1: entertaining place
0: where men and women can forget themselves and entertain Jesus. But He comes anyhow. If you just get him five minutes a day, over in the closet, down in the basement, he'll take it. He'll take whatever you offer him, he'll take it. That shows to me he's God to me. Amen. You know, big men, act little. Little peanut brain acts big. When you see a guy that thinks he's something, you just remember there's nothing to him. I've got with some of the biggest men in the world, and they make you think you're the big man when you get away from them. But some of these guys have got to change their clothes or something, other pastor or something, other or some big church wise, they want you to think there's something big. That's the person becomes nothing. Notice Jesus had entered this Pharisee's home. I believe he left a little early. He's never late. And Jesus always keeps his appointments. Hallelujah! Jesus is here tonight. Jesus keeps his appointment. No matter how or you where you are, he kept his appointment with Jonah in the belly of a whale. He kept his appointment with Daniel in the lion's den. He kept his appointment with the children in the Hebrew children in the five furnace. Praise God! He kept his appointment with me on the deathbed. He's here tonight. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be there, mister. Jesus keeps his appointment. Always. He leaves glory maybe a little early so he can get here on time. He keeps his appointment. And here he is sitting in his Pharisee's house. And got walked in the door and nobody paid any attention to him. They were too busy. And that's what we are today. We're too busy making proselytes. We're too busy to see if this person's baptized correct or not. We're too busy to see what position he has and what we can do with him in the church. We're too busy with the people and the things of the church to let Christ come by without entertaining him. We're too busy to see that everything's carried on just so-and-so. We fail to entertain Jesus after we have invited him to our place. Many times you're too busy at home, in your home life. You've got so many things you have to do. You can't take time to pray. Just too busy. That's what happened there. Oh, I wish I could have been that swampy there at the door. If I know his coming, brother, I'd have had the pan of water waiting. But well, before I washed his feet, I said, Lord, I'm not worthy to worship you after you wash your feet. Let me worship you first. Oh, I'd love For I loved to have done it. But there he sat, unwelcome. Think of it. Unwelcome. Sitting over in the corner, nobody paying any attention to him, and Paris be too busy with his doctor friends. He didn't notice Jesus sitting over in a corner, and he's sitting with his head down. You know, I'd imagine he never feels very welcome around the rich people that don't want to entertain him. He feels more at home with the people who are willing to humble themselves, entertain him. There he's sitting with his head down. His disciples standing outside. They couldn't wasn't invited, so they couldn't come in. You had to be really had to be invited to be in one of those things, But the disciples couldn't come, and here he is, sitting over there in the corner. Nobody's paying any attention to him. He's so uncomfortable. You think that's the way he would be here tonight if he'd come? You think that's the way he is in your home, uncomfortable, sitting there with dirty feet? Think of it. Jesus with dirty feet. They call him Jesus. When I say, Jesus, with dirty feet, that does something to me to say it. Jesus, my Lord, sitting in a religious house with dirty feet, unwelcome, parching cheeks, unwelcome, not kissed-welcome, the very feet that was going to be pierced with the nails, was sitting there dirty. But dung from the road and sweat all over his feet smelled. And in that great fine home with his head bowed, unwelcome, nobody washed his feet. Oh, I, I wish I could be there. Wish I could have been there, don't you? I, I wish I could have been standing there. Oh, I ought to run to him. how that not be letting him get by? I don't know. Unwashed feet, dirty feet. Jesus. My Lord with dirty feet. Somebody neglected. Somebody has neglected their duty. And there he is sitting there. Oh so uncomfortable in the house. Nobody paying any attention to him. And but dirty feet. Smelling bad. The people passing by. Look on the outside there where all the eaters are gap anyhow. They were looking over to see Pharisees. Nothing of the food and things. The line draws. They couldn't come no farther. And Pharisee over there just rejoicing with his friends and so forth. And Jesus sitting there with turkey feet. Think of it. I see walking along the side of the crowd on the outside a little woman with a veil over her face. I hear somebody punch another and say, Look who's come up. The Bible said that she was an awful sinner. We won't have to go in detail about that. She was a prostitute, a foul woman. Listen, sometimes you push them people back. But remember, somebody introduced her to that life. Before there could be a foul woman, there has to be a foul man. That's right. Maybe some boy uh, fell in love with her and. And enticed her and made her promises and ruined her life and introduced her to sex and then pushed her off to one side and run off to get some other woman. That might have started her. She's some mother's daughter. I think, oh, we're so righteous, though, you know. Oh, my. We can't go down and talk to people like that. If they don't live in the finest of homes and they have the best societies, well, we don't want to bring them into church.
1: Brother, Jesus said, "Go into to and
0: highways and bring them in. No matter who they are. Sometimes they're the ones who receive the kingdom of God before some of these stiff-necked, so souls will." There she comes by. She's looking around, someone said, Ah, look! look like comes come up to Pharisee's dinner. Oh, look who she is! We know, keep her distance. She walks by. She knows she's hated. Nobody's self-righteous. All her. Give her stand back. Give her room. But I see her go up, and she looks over there, and she sees him. Oh, she says, that can't be. Surely, is that it? That must be him. Well, it is him, and he's not welcome. He's got dirty teeth, and he's unanointed, and so nobody's paying any attention to him. She said, it's surely somebody's got to do something. I see her poor little shawl up around her and down the street, she goes as hard as she can. She goes up in a little creaky steps up into her little room and she goes into a little chest and gets out a little sock or something there with some money in it. And she said, she said, no, 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 I, I can't do this. I can't do it. And she starts weeping. She said, oh, those eyes, how he looked over at me. Nobody could ever look at Jesus and ever be the same. She said it. I must be beside myself. Look, I know he's a prophet, and he'd know where I got this money. He'd know how I got it. I can't take this to him. I just can't do it. She puts it back. She's weeping. She said, oh, think of it. Oh, he, nobody wants him. Oh, I've got to do something about it. And she takes her little sock out of dinner, her little check, and she looks at it and she says, oh, surely, but it, it's all I've got, it's all I can do. Surely he'll understand. I see her tuck her little money down in her bosom and throw her shawl over and down the street she goes, and she goes into a, a little juice store down there where they're selling some stickers and stuff and a perfume shop, and she goes in, and some old fellow is standing back there, grouchy, counting out his money. My, it's been a bad day. Didn't hardly make the rent. Oh, my. And the first thing you know, this prostitute walks in. Well, look what come in. He didn't go out as a polite salesman or gentleman should be and say, what could I do for you? He said, well, what do you want? She said, sir, I want the best. Our Bannister box she got in the house. Not just one, almost the best. Look, she was given everything she had. Every penny she had to give the best she could. You and I, we just give a little side thing. Are you giving your best? If you're not giving your best, don't make fun of her. She was giving her best, and her all she had, she said, I want the best alabaster box you got, the boy. Why? let's see how much money you got. Of course, the clink of the money changed this, his idea. He counted out 280 pieces of Roma denaria, and, yep, just enough, and he gives her the alabaster box. He noticed she had been weeping. Her eyes were stained. She ducks it in her bosom. She takes out the door. Somebody nudges. Look on there. Look on there. That's the way they do today. Nudge. Nudge. Look at that. That's a warrior over. Look on there. You know who they are? They're one of them things. That's one of them games. Oh, I'm so glad to be one of them. I don't know what to do. Yes, sir. There they go. Look where she's going to now. And she's been weeping. Oh, she's one of them fanatics. Look where she's going. Right straight up to where they're at. There she goes up. She's late. She's got to hurry. But, brother. It's better late than never. You may wait a long time, Dad. You may be sixty or seventy years old, but it's better to be late, be late than never get there. Come on now. You said, "Hey, I want to get the Holy Ghost sometime, Brother Branham." Right now, You said, "Well, I'm getting pretty old now. I couldn't be much service. Get
1: it anyhow.
0: Better late than never." She got there, and when she gets there, all the party. She knows she's at the right place. and the grasses are tipping together and the big hoorahs and times of the wine being poured out and everything. She knows she is at the right place. Now she tips on her toes, and she looks back there, and there she sees him stay. She said, I can't. It, it must be. If they catch me in there, what will they do? I'll be out of place if I go in there. Well, if I get into that kind of a group in there, I'll be out of place, a person like me. Well, they'll, they'll throw me out. I, I can't go. Maybe he wouldn't want me to do it. I must be dreaming. There must be something wrong, the tears running down her cheeks. She said, But one time I heard him preaching, and he preached on this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, whosoever will, let him come. Surely he meant me. Then." I see her jump her head and elbow her way through the crowd. She's trying to get to him. That's the way to do. Elbow your way through the crowd till you get to him. No matter who says days of miracles is passed, there ain't no such a thing as divine healing, no such a thing as heartfelt salvation. Elbow your way! Get through the crowd! You don't care what the people says, get to Jesus! That's the only fountain of salvation she had, only fountain you've got. Only oh, thing anybody's got is make your way to Jesus. If you have to elbow your way through every denomination, everything else, get to Him quickly. Oh, my. She got the sight of Him and she there, said Jesus. She took a hold of me. She didn't know what to do. She fell down before Him. She was weeping. The tears were rolling down her cheeks and off her chin. And the first thing you know, was she picked up His feet and she began to rub His feet. She was so happy. She was standing by the fountain. She was standing by the only cleansing place that her soul could ever be cleansed. She was standing by the only fountain of life that ever sprung up in the earth. There she was in her condition. She was rubbing his feet. And the first thing you know, she she got beside herself. She didn't know what she was doing, and she was crying the tears running off her cheeks. And she was rubbing his feet, and she found herself washing Jesus' dirty feet with her tears. What a water! Washing Jesus' dirty feet with her tears. The greatest water that ever comes. The tears of a penitent sinner washing the feet of the Lord Jesus. But she wept, and she was washing his feet. She she was beside herself. She didn't know what to do. God help her to get beside herself long enough to get paid anyhow. Sure, she broke all the rules of the party. What was the party taking place now? What? We care what the party was doing. How many rules she broke? She was getting before Jesus and getting paid, and that's what we need to do tonight. Is to get before Jesus and get paid. No matter what you're breaking the rules or the regulations, that has nothing to do with it. The thing of it is to get before Jesus, and she was washing her feet with her tears, and she was—first thing you know, she was so excited, she started to raise up, and all of her hair that she had pinned up on her head fell down, and she began to wipe his feet with her—with the hairs of her head. It'll be a hard time for a lot of our Christian sisters to do that, have to stand on their head to do it. They ain't got a hair to wipe his feet with her. thats right. I don't say that for a joke, but let me tell you something. The Bible said a woman's hair is her glory. Yes, sir. Look what a beautiful place it fit there. Her tears of repentance, she was washing his feet. And the only decent thing she had about her was her hair, and her glory fell down. Hallelujah! Her glory. She was wiping Jesus' feet with her glory. Hallelujah! God, let me everything I am. Wipe His feet, wash His feet, worship Him in the Spirit. Do everything I can to make Him welcome in my heart. Send dear Lord Jesus, here take me and make me Yours. She was wiping His feet with her hairs of her head, and the first thing you know, she found herself kissing His feet. And I tell you. Pharisee Jones turned white and then red. The devil really took a hold of him. I can see. Oh, what a rage he was! Breaking up his party, it would ruin his church. <laughs> Don't you know? Why he said, "Look here, if that man was a prophet, he didn't know what kind of a woman that was around him." Listen, well, that would ruin his reputation. No, he's wrong. Jesus' reputation is made where sinners are. Now, sinners coming to Him never ruins His reputation; it makes His reputation. We need more of that. Sinners before Jesus makes Him a reputation because they're ready to repent. And there, wiping His feet, kissing His feet, and she was oh so beside herself. She was weeping. She was going home. She was just simply she didn't know what she was doing. That's what we want to do before Christ, so you can lose yourself. The old song said, Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in Thee. Let me lose all the prestige I've got, let me lose everything so I can find myself in Thee. Then, when the first thing, you know, Pharisee began to speak and she raised up, Jesus looked over and he said, Simon, I have somewhat to say of, about you, said, I have come to your house on your invitation and you never wash my feet. He said, But this woman, and has, and said, You never give me any kiss. You never made me welcome. You never give me any anointment to go on my head. But said, This woman, ever since she's come in, has never ceased to even kiss my feet. He turned to the woman for that gallant act, he said, And I say unto thee, Thy sins, which are many, are all forgiven me. Oh, what would we care what the world would say, as long as I can hear them words? Thy sins, which are many, are all forgiven me. Oh, God, some day when life is all over, I I, I want to call up to his feet. I want to just pat his feet, them feet that was going to be nail scarred in a little while. Setting her dirty, and she washed him with tears of repentance, wiped him with the glory of her hair, kissed him with her lips and the grief of the of the oil still on her lips. And her sinning, looking to see what he was going to say for all of this and all she had, she laid all of her glory down, all of her money down, everything she had. And spent everything she could on him. And there she was kissing his feet, and her lips all uh, greasy with the oil, the tears running down her cheeks, her hair hanging down and wet with the grease and oil on his feet like that when she broke the spickered box and poured it all over his feet. Every bit of it. She never just held any back. She poured it all on his feet. And there she was sitting there. He said, Thy sins, which are many, are all forgiven thee. God will help us tonight to get. And lose ourselves away from our self-styled starky ideas and find Jesus Christ and love him. Oh, may He grant that to ever lost sinner in here tonight while we bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, as we think of our Lord Jesus coming and being not entertained in the house that He was invited, oh God, may the people here in Chicago, may the people here now. Along with myself, just lose ourselves in Thee and entertain Thee, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. May we worship Thee in the spirit and in truth and the beauty of holiness. May we live every day, not noticing what the world's got to say about it, but what You say about it, Lord. Grant, them, bless these people here tonight, and if there be one here, Father, who doesn't know You as their Savior, may they look up and say, Lord, many times I've asked you to come to me, but I've been just a little bit ashamed of you around my boss. I've been a little ashamed of you around my neighbor, and I I, I just put you off in the basement or somewhere, somewhere when I was off to myself. I've been ashamed of you, but God, if you'll forgive me for it from this night on, I'll never be ashamed of you again. I'll testify of you everywhere. And when my company comes, I'll lead them all in prayer, I'll do everything that I can, Lord, to worship Him. God grant that that'll be the attitude of every person in Divine Presence tonight. And while we have our heads down, I just wonder anywhere in the building if someone here would say, Lord, I'm, I just raised up my hand, not to the preacher, but to you, God. I've been slow for in entertaining you. I've been kind of backward. I've been ashamed. I've joined that starchy party of Pharisees, season. I've really been ashamed of you. But you'll forgive me, Lord, from this night on, I'll never be ashamed of you again. Will you raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me. God bless you, 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 that's right. Up in the balcony, up above, God bless you, that's good. May the Lord bless you. Put up your hand, that's right. God, be merciful to me. God bless you all over here on the right. I See your hands all up and down, all down to the center aisle now, God bless you, over in these other aisles to my left. The Lord bless you, Jesus, by this I raise up my hand, say, I'll never be ashamed of you again if you'll forgive me for the way I've entertained you. You've come to my heart, you've told me lots of things to do, you've you blessed me so I just want to cry out, but I'd be ashamed to do it. I'll never do it again, God, when you speak to me I'll answer you. I'll love you. I'll testify of your goodness everywhere. And now, if someone else who didn't put up their hand, but want to put their hand up before we have prayer, before we start saying things. Would you raise your hand? All right, that's right. God bless you. God bless you, Dad. God bless you. Way over in the corner, I see you. Way, well, that's good. I like to see you do that. Way back in the back, I see you. So does God see you? Down here. I see you, brother. God bless you, sister. Yeah, you, brother. I see your hand. God does surely. Yes, sister. Yes, brother. That's right. Way back there. I see you, sister. See you back there, brother. That's good. Way back in the back. I see you, sister, with your hand up. Down here in front. Yes, brother. God bless you. That's right. That's right. God bless you. Sixty, seventy-five hands. You went up already. Would somebody else say, God, I'm raising my hands. People's got their heads bowed. But, God, I want you to make me a real, real worshiper of you. A real Christian that you'd be pleased if I had that. Uh, God bless you, sister. I see your hand. You over there. I see your hand. You there, the check address, I see your hand. Way back in the back, brother, yours. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. You, you back there, yes. Oh, my hand's continually going up. I want from this night on, God. I'm, I know you're here. I know you'll meet, but I'll just put you off. Now, if my boss would come home with me, I'd want the, all the neighbors to know that my boss was home with me. But, Jesus, I, I invite you to come, and if somebody comes in, I'll put you off in the corner and right, and leave. I, I won't go ahead with prayer. I won't ask them if they'll bow in prayer with you because I uh, was in prayer when they come up. I've been ashamed of you. In church, I've been ashamed to testify when I was called on. I've been ashamed to lead in prayer. I've been ashamed to talk to the group, the boys I run around with, or the girls. From this night on, Jesus, I'm going to talk about you I'm going to testify of you everywhere. Would you raise your hand, somebody that has not raised your hand? Somebody else now? God bless you. That's good. God bless you. Dad, I see back there, a real old man, trembling with his hands up. God, to you. God bless you, young lady. That's mighty fine. God bless you, sister, down here. That's mighty fine. I'm just so happy to see you do this. God bless you, my colored sisters. God bless you, brother, back there. That's very fine. Anyone else in the balcony now? I'm looking up that way. They'll say, raise your hand, say, Jesus, be merciful to me. God bless you, little star. That's good. I'm glad to see you do that, honey. It's a boy, but that's good. You love the Lord Jesus. You're young now. And he's here in the building tonight. He's looking at you. He's speaking to your heart. He's telling you to put up your hand. Are you ashamed to do it right here on the very start of it? Lord. Right, that's right. The Lord bless you now while we bow our Heavenly Father, you see those who put up their hands? You know all about them. I pray, God, that this will be the moving and the breaking time, that there will be such a revival sweep this week until homes will be reunited, Lord, and the power of God will come into every home. Old-fashioned prayer orders where dad and mother and the children are around uh, the table of praying and down in the bedroom and in the living room, praying and worshiping Jesus and making Him welcome. When the Holy Spirit strikes them and says, Go talk to John about coming to church, may they go right straight into it. For it's you, Lord. Let them not be ashamed to go talk to John or the girl or whoever it is about you. Granted, Father, may it be a great time. Bless all these who raise your hand. Save them, forgive them of their sins, and, and
1: make them your children. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hey.